Hey everyone, um, Trista here, back with another playing around with the playbook this week. Today we are going to be talking to Alex Hahn, saxophonist, composer, educator, someone I've taken several lessons with. Um, so let's just give him a second to log on and we will go ahead and get started. This is always the waiting part. We have to get some Jeopardy music, I think, on here. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that will be Playbook, Play It Around 2.0. Hi, Alex. All right. The part where... Hi, how's it going? Hey, Trista, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you for being- I don't think I've much. ever done, oh yeah, I don't think I've ever done Instagram Live before. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised, I feel like you're very tech savvy, so. Um, I was just saying to the Playbook audience, we're gonna be talking to Alex Hahn, saxophonist today, so I'm gonna go ahead and introduce you, but before I do that, I just wanna say, Alex is someone I, I admire very much as a saxophonist and also as an educator. Like, I feel like it's very hard to be both a great performer and a great educator, and that's why I keep taking lessons with you from time to time, because he really just breaks things down in a way that works for me. Um, so for everyone out there, which is mostly Alex's audience, they've, they've heard all this information before. Um, Alex Hahn is a multi-award-winning saxophonist and composer based in LA, California. Um, Han has had the opportunity to perform with many renowned artists such as Herbie Hancock, Esperanza Spalding, Bob Mitzer, Russell Ferrante, Bob Reynolds, um, and many more. He's also recorded on Michael Bublé's last two albums, uh, Nobody But Me and Love. In addition, Han has performed and taught all over the world, including the Panama Jazz Festival, Sitka Jazz Festival, and at International Jazz Day in Havana, Cuba. He's also a six-time Downbeat Magazine Award winner. And recently he completed, he completed his <coughs> Master of Music um, with the Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz, um, where he studied with jazz le legends such as Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Jimmy Heath, Chris Potter, and so many more. Um, I think that's, that's probably enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's enough for the audience yeah. to understand the gist of it. <laughs> um, so to get us started, I will ask you our playbook question. Um, what have you been listening to lately? Oh... Good question. So I have a really good friend who played drums on my last album. His name is Ray Quaz Nielsen. Amazing drummer, amazing producer. And he um, tweeted the other day that he's like, man, I'm listening to this gospel music while I'm like folding laundry and it's just getting me so hyped to, to fold my laundry. So I texted him and I'm like, yo, send me some of that gospel stuff you're listening to. So he sent me four albums that I've been like shedding nonstop. And it's so incredible. The, the one I've listened to most recently is called, uh, it's by Ricky Dillard, who's a Chicago gospel musician. Um, and the album is called Choir Master. And like every track is an insane banger and like amazing harmony and like ridiculous grooves. And like, it just like, yeah, it's been so, so fun to listen to. Dope, dope, awesome. I'll have to get on uh, the new gospel releases. 
Yes. Um, so one of our first questions I want to ask you um, comes from like the lessons I've taken with you. Um, you have a very like student centered approach to learning. Like whenever we have lesson, you're constantly asking questions like to reflect on my own playing. A lot of the time I'm like, I don't know, but it really builds a conscious musician and I've applied it to my teaching myself, like with my own students. So how did you come about this approach? I don't remember exactly, but there was a time where like I was getting ready to like not really take private lessons anymore. Mm. And for me, I've always been like my own biggest critic, which I'm sure you are too, Trista. And I'm sure so many people who are listening are that. It's like your mom or your dad would be like, oh, Trista, you sound so amazing. And you're like, oh my God, it sounded terrible. So like we always have a super high standard for ourselves. So I thought like, man, if I am like that, I need to be like that every every day in the practice room, asking myself that question of, okay, how am I sounding? And not to say, like, hey, I sound terrible, or hey, I sound amazing. But like, to be really critical and honest with yourself. So that way you can grow the next time you play. And so it's like, okay, what is going well? And how can I build on that? And what is not going well? And how can I practice that? Or how can I do something different? So that way I'm doing something well. Because really, the whole goal always is like, to be better than you played last. And so if that is always our mindset and always our goal, like that approach of like really asking yourself honest questions um, should be, you know, essential to your practice. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for that. Um, I feel like it'll really, it really helps like when you start, when you stop taking lessons, because that's the point that's going to come. Like, how do you continue getting better? Um, yeah. So another thing I've noticed is that you're super goal oriented for each lesson. You're always, we always talk about goals that we've set the goals we have yet to achieve and sometimes you hit me up and you're like you haven't done this yet <laughs> um, which I still have not done um, but how do your goals like influence the way you say you live your life and um, was there a specific mantra like you have among these goals like you know that like built this up for you yeah um, I feel like I got this a lot from my dad who's like crazy hardworking. like when we were growing up um, he always he had like three or four jobs like the entire time I was growing up and so he's very driven and very focused and very hardworking. And so that plus like my athletic um, interests, like being interested in sports and that competitiveness, like that helps fuel a lot of that for me too. But um, yeah, like goals help focus like everything that you're doing. And to me, I set goals every couple months and it allows me to focus on what's most important because what is so crazy is we have so much going on in our lives with school, mm -hmm. with jobs, with family, with relationships, with practicing, with listening, with commuting, with work. I mean, there's just so many things throughout the day that we need to be doing at all times. Mm -hmm. And when you set a goal, it helps focus on the questions that you're asking your friends, the questions that you're asking your teachers, what you're spending your practice time on, what you're spending your time doing and working on, because you have this centered focus of like, hey, I know I want to get better at this. Okay, here's one week of how I'm going to get better at it. And so it helps focus your practice, the questions that you're asking, the things that you're researching, the things that you're listening to. And now everything is in focus because you have this goal two months from, two months from now that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I set goals all the time. It's so important for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, do you have a particular mantra for when times get tough, like the things you mentioned, like overwhelming? Um, 
I'll give a cop-out answer, and I'll give a better answer. Okay. My cop-out answer is my best friend in the whole world, his name's Nolan Bird. We're actually working on a record right now. We're recording in June. Ooh. Best friend in, my enti- in the entire world. He's the best man at my wedding. Like, just amazing guy, amazing drummer. Been mm-hmm. best friend since, like, elementary school. Um, I remember we were in college, and he had, like, an essay, like, a 12-page essay. He had, like, a test. And, like, all this stuff, like, due the next day. And it's, like, midnight, and he hasn't started any of it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm like, well, how are you not, like, freaking out and stressed? And he's like, man, why, why am I stressed? I'm just going to get it done. And I'm like, whoa, that's chilling. <laughs> like, you're not going to be stressed if you're just going to sit down and do it. Or, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be stressed if you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to work and work and do it. Like, so that's, to me, that's a cop-out answer because that's way easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But I think about it all the time. It's like, oh, shoot, I got this, I got this, I got a lesson, I got this, I got because then I got to drive here, then I got a gig, then I'm going to get home at midnight, then I got to be up at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. the next day. And, like, it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to do it. And so, again, that's the cop-out answer. The real answer – wait, what was the question thing I lost my train of thought? <laughs> um, as you're answering the question, you lost your train of thought. Um, it's, it's Do you have a particular mantra for, like, when times get tough? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. So the other thing that I think about, too, is, like, whenever I feel – I was actually texting a student this morning about this. Whenever I feel like my playing has plateaued or whenever I feel like, like I don't have time to do things that I'm doing, usually that's the time for me, especially in my, in my playing, that I'm actually, like, growing. And actually that's when my ceiling is starting to get higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when you feel like you're plateaued, the reason why you feel like that is because the expectations of where you should be are now higher. Yeah. So that means you're going to keep working towards where you want to be, you know, in the next week or the next month. And so to me, I think about that when I'm stressed and when I'm overwhelmed, when I have a lot to do, or I'm not feeling like I'm getting better in my practice session, which actually I felt like that this morning, to be honest. Um, or like when I feel just things are like kind of stagnant, um, mm. it's either I focus my work and work in a different way to maximize, maximize my time. Or I realize, hey, I'm working really hard right now. And the reason why I'm not feeling great about it is because my expectations are not higher. So yeah. I think about both, both those yeah, things. Of course, thank you. Um, so I know you've had many mentors as we listed in the beginning of this. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a particular educator or saxophonist that really stands out to you that really made you want to pursue music in this way? Um. My dad was my very first teacher, and I think I might have told the story to you before. Was he a saxophonist teacher? Was he a saxophonist teacher? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. He was, uh, he played lead alto for Glenn Miller's band. He did like, oh, the tours. Okay. I remember. And he's a music educator and clarinetist. Actually, he's a beast on clarinet. He rips me to shreds on clarinet. <laughs> um, anyway, um, he was my very first teacher, and so when I first got my saxophone, he taught me how to play happy birthday it was like the first thing that i could play and i remember going into fifth grade like already being able to play happy birthday and i'm like dang i'm so cool right now and like all the other students were so hyped because like you could play anything right but like to play happy birthday it was so killing and so like he taught me the blues he taught me scales he taught me altissimo like he taught me so many things early on um so i'll say him um, and then two others, Dick Oates, who I studied with, I took like maybe I think six lessons with him over the span of two years. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best teachers I've ever had in terms of explaining things, ex- in terms of being able to really break it down to what you're bad at, 
but most importantly, how to get better at it mm. and give you a fruit super focused approach in terms of like, okay, here's what you're not doing well. And here's exactly how to practice it. So Oats is amazing. And then other one who's one of my biggest mentors is Jason Goldman, who's now the chair of jazz studies at USC. Um, and not only what I've learned from him in terms of playing and composing and arranging, but the opportunities that he's given me because we've worked together and he was just, he's an amazing mentor. We actually, we were hanging out last night. Like he's just an amazing person and one of the hardest working people I know and so inspiring every time I get to see him. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, so pivoting back to you, our last question for you before we close out. Um, well, second to last, I guess. Um, what do you sure. want your students to walk away with most? At the end of a lesson? Mm, yes. Or at the end of like a slew of lessons, like someone you've been teaching for a while, I guess. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'll get, I'll get two answers. Okay. The first answer is, I hope that my students are able to take the concepts that we talk about and use them in their own way to create mm. improvisation and composition that is unique to them. Mm. Because what, what I think I really missed when I was at North Texas doing my undergrad is I was obsessed with bebop. Charlie Parker, Stitt, Cannonball. Like I transcribed so many of them and was like obsessed with them. But I really think I missed the boat in terms of like what that was actually teaching me. Because mm. like knowing that bebop language is great and like being able to like play bird licks and here's Sonny Stitt and play Cherokee and like all that stuff is awesome. But like the reason why we learn bebop is because it helps us understand how to navigate harmony. It helps us understand chromaticism. It helps us mm -hmm. understand arpeggios and scales and connecting harmony and voice leading. And, and like, it's those concepts that are really important. And so I hope that when I explain things to my students that they get the concepts and not just what's on the surface, but what's behind what, what, what we're talking about. Mm, yeah, definitely. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, I, I think my favorite players and the, even the people that I've studied with are able to take things that they've learned from their teachers, but also teach themselves and figure out the best thing that works for them. Like, here's my approach. Here's how I do it. Here's this, here's that. But what's going to be best for you? And so I hope my students start, start to think about, especially after they start, after they stop taking lessons from me of like, okay, here's this great thing that Alex said, but let me tweak it to make it a little bit better for me. Or here's another teacher, let's make this this way. And so then you start to come up with your own ways of doing things and things that make more sense for the way that your brain works and the way that you think about the music and the way that you want to improvise and the way that you want to compose. Um, so those are my two answers. Of course, yeah. Thanks so much for that. Um, and thank you so much for being with us today. So I'm going to yes. ask you our last question. Why do you feel platforms, digital platforms, learning platforms like, you know, Playbook and others are so important in today's classroom or not important? <laughs> um, I think it's extremely important that students have the opportunity to play great music. And that's not always the case at every single school across the country. And so for digital platforms like Playbook, for digital platforms in terms of play-alongs, in terms of um, just connecting with more students is opportunities to learn. 
is opportunities to grow. It's opportunities to make music that's different than the music that you're making um, in the classroom in terms of with, with humans. Because again, not every program is, you know, an amazing program. So to have a digital platform um, is super important for kids to get that experience of what it's really like to play with a professional. Yeah, of course. So uh, thank you for that. Um, thanks so much for being here with us today and taking the time to answer our questions. I know everyone in the audience um, loved your responses, especially because it's your first live. So everyone, you know, keep following Alex, Real Alex Han on Instagram and alexhanmusic.com and check out Playbook at Playbook Jazz or this is playbook.com. So I'm going to sign off now, but thank you so much again. Thanks, Trista. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya. See you later.